And in order to keep our broadcasting license, we devote Sunday night dead time to public service shows of limited appeal. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio Podcast, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. My name's Matt. His name's Rob. What are you saying today, man? I'm saying off we go, Matt. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> really? It's, that's early in the show to be. <laughs> Just Yeah, that's true. I'm a little ornery today, to be honest with I you. I love it. Yeah. It's going to make for great audio people. Yeah, great audio people. It's, it's going to make for great shiny, audio. Comma people. People. Yes. Shiny, happy people. So I just ran it too tight together. Is that what you're suggesting? Perhaps. All right. Maybe I'm, like I said, just being difficult like, about I, it. I like it. I like it. It bodes well. Uh, we got pints, man. We're back into the calendar today. This is day, what the hell day is this? Day 18? I think it's, uh, dis- yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that was juicy and loose. That's not what you, <laughs> that's, that's a Sunday morning. <laughs> It happens. This is from the uh, Brew Revolution, perhaps your favorite local brewery, at least in the uh, the top couple. Uh, this is the, the Renegades of Dunk. I love the name. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. That's right. Uh, Renegades it, of that atomic age. It's true, man. Rock and sock and popping with a side of hip hop. <laughs> Nailed it. You did. I, it's a mouthful. Uh, for those not following along, it is, uh, at least in my world, named after the Renegades of Funk by Rage Against the Machine. But there are, of course, uh, earlier versions. That comes off a of Rage uh, cover album. Anyway, the, this the, is... The Renegades album, it's actually called. This is a uh, a dunkel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so sort of kind of a darker lager, a multi-year lager, um, you know, really kind of you know, with the pedal down, right? And a uh, lot going on. It says it's kind of got a little roast to it. Uh, hazelnut, I think is what they called it. A roasted hazelnut dunkel. On first pull, what'd you think, man? I'm wearing half of it. Okay. Not half. Half seems exciting. Yeah, see, that was a nice, uh, mine was. Sloppy. Juicy and loose. Yeah, okay. Um, It's malty. Would you agree? I do, yeah. I like this a lot. Okay. Yeah, first pull, I'm like, it, knowing what it is, it's, um. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm, but again, I'm I'm also a little ornery. Right. Okay. And uh, not happy with the when I'm wearing part of the opening. It's sort well, of that's really on you, I think. It, uh, yeah, probably because I was had it in a bag and I was slapping it around, doing jumping jacks out in the fucking parking lot, getting ready to get, Yeah, <laughs> getting psyched for the show. Lunges, you know, a couple of. It comes in at five point five percent, and it's you know I. I I like it. It's maybe a little thicker than I expected yeah, out of sure. a, a dunkel, but but good, man. I, I like this one a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly, it's delivering. To me, it's roasty and malty and it's not super carbonated. Would you agree on that? I would, yeah. So uh, highly drinkable, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's sort of, to me, a, it's a one. You're drinking one of these. You're not probably. Oh, I could have a couple of these. Okay. Couple. Could you drink three? Yeah, sure. All right, you are ready also to groove, sucker. Groove, yeah, exactly. sucker. Say like, jam, sucker, jam, sucker. Okay. I'm feeling this one, man. Yeah, no, and I the can. ornery is falling off as I get into this beer. I'm enjoying the name. I'm enjoying the taste. 
everything about it's treating me right. Well, we can all hear the smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. That's really important. Okay. Right? Bring it. Bring it. Uh, why don't we recap a little bit about the week that was in the calendar? This was um, highs and lows for me. This- I was going to say, is Matt, this is week three now, yeah. we'll be recapping, is Matt more or less displeased than last week? Oh, way less displeased. Okay. Um, and I, 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 I might even push back against the fact that I was displeased oh, you, in week it- two, but I was unimpressed. Is that the... Yeah. That's, like, Everything it- in week two was fine. There was nothing I hated. There was a lot of just... Uh, Right. So you're giving it a meh yeah. as opposed to. This week had definite highs and lows for me. You sounded, I think, I think if you went back and listened to the show, you come across as, as feeling displeased. Okay. Uh, Monday we had a, a dark Kolsch from Grain and Grit that I thought was fantastic. Uh, I like that one a lot. I don't know if you remember anything I, about for, it. Or... For sure I do. And to me, I liked it a lot. I, yeah. I, I go in for a bit of a Kolsch, which to me, uh, uh, the difference between a Kolsch and a Dunkel I'm not entirely sure, right? Both are darker lagers. Yeah. Both are, tend to be on the malty side, but this is even maltier and a little thicker than, than the, uh, Kolsch. Thank yeah. you. I was just like, right. like, what was it we had? Uh, <laughs> and I had sort of lost what we were, what we were doing. So, um, Wednesday, and I can't remember now, but I had it, uh, with Bunda on the show. Um, but it was quite good. It came from, uh, Lake Town. Was uh, it was the Doppelbach? That's it? right. That was very nice as well. I like that a lot. One of the things I'm noticing in the calendar this year is also the pedals down on the alcohol a little bit, right? Like there's a lot of six point fives, eights, eight two. I think on that Doppelbach. Yeah, exactly. Did you like that one? I did like the Doppelbach. Now, to me, it's it's uh, it was one of those things. I really liked the first half, but as it started to warm a bit, okay, you're like, nah. Now, if I was on the pod with it. I find you become much less attentive to it as you, sure. as you just sort of continue to drink it. Just Forget. keep drinking. Just keep drinking, baby. That's it. A Thursday, the habanero in your face from five paddles. And, uh, I'm quite fond of, of that brewery. And look, it was a habanero IPA or they called it a spicy IPA, but it was a, an IPA, I think again, just over 6%, uh, with some habanero in it and I'm not a habanero guy. I'm not a spice guy, but I thought that was fun. It, like to try. Like that's one that you're not going to sit and drink six of. But I thought it was at least fun to try that one and and see. All right, I see what you're going for there. It was kind of cool. Well, see, and that is that's probably the third habanero IPA that I've had. Right. There was definitely another one you brought in here at one I point for us that, to try. Yeah, which was very spicy, yep. if, if I recall. Yeah. See, this of all of them was was the least spicy. You definitely got some of the. Yeah, this is it was the, warm more than spice, right? right? Like there's something to this. So to me, it was well done. Yeah, uh, that was five paddles. Yeah, I was so looking forward to because to me, in in the three years I've been drinking the calendar, yeah, the five paddles stuff has been the most interesting. Right? It was the brother Nicholas, the one year it was the coconut, coconut cream, cream pie. pie. So I was I was I was anticipating what was going to happen with that. And then I was just okay with it. Uh, the rest of the week to me, yeah, was a little, meh. It had, uh, one day we had the, I guess it was Saturday, we had the broadhead light, which. Who's putting a light beer in it? Come on, man. That was the part that bugged me. For a light beer, it's fine. It was fine. It was a little maltier than some other light beers. I, I, you know, broadheads, you know, fine. But 
really, that's what you wanted to drop into the calendar was your light. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. That didn't do much for me. And on Friday, uh, it was a honey, honey lager from uh, Perth Brewing Company. And wait, I didn't like that very much. It was, yeah. it was just kind of dull. Sorry, that sound you may or may not be hearing is, is Rob moving around a paper towel as he spilled part of his beer. Spilly talker. <sighs> Spilly sitter. Um, just whatever, right? Yeah. Matt's long accustomed to it. <laughs> Used to show up at his place and fall asleep, maybe pass out, not entirely sure, with <laughs> half a beer in my <laughs> 16 empty bottles of Canadian on the coffee table, <laughs> one swipe and one gets knocked over. You're like, oh, I guess it's time to go to bed. Yeah. See ya. It was probably time four beers ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, but who knows? So, um, yeah, I, I found the, the light beer to not be, if you, if, if you want a full, a full tasting light beer, yeah. I, I think that kind of made its way to that, right? I didn't find it to be, oh my God, I'm drinking a watery beer. I, no. I, I found it to be. Again, I, at, for a light beer, I thought it was fine. It's just not what I was looking for in the, uh. Yeah. And I say this every year, right? Put your best foot forward. What what do you got? What are you going to sell your brewery with? Yeah. And are you selling your brewery with a light beer? If you are, that's probably all I want to have from your brewery. (laughs) And I'll be honest, over the last year, maybe a little more than that, Broadhead's sort of fallen down my list of... uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were up there for you and they, they were, were over in this neck of the woods, right? They Maybe were, that's it. Maybe I'm prejudiced against the move out to the east end of town. That, oh, uh, it's lousy with French people <laughs> over there. Um, but yeah, there was a couple times I had their amber in a keg here in studio. Um, their stout was, was fine. And for whatever reason, I've just sort of. Oh, ringing endorsement. Yeah, yeah. The stout was fine. It was fine. <laughs> there were better stouts to have in the keg. So that's what we did. Okay. Uh, I thought before we got going too far on, uh, on much else, just give the people a little update on what's to come here over the next week or two through the holiday season. Uh, middle of this week, likely Thursday morning, we'll, we'll hold the usual time slot for it. Uh, I guess it's going to have to be renamed, but, uh, Hoffley and Shrides will be on for the, uh, the Brew Marsh, which we no longer have a Lou Marsh, so it maybe needs a, a rename at first Blush, one of the ones that, that people were pushing around because they've renamed it the Northern Star. Terrible. So maybe ours is the Northern Bar, but I feel like now you're just playing off their bad name. Like we got to come up with something better. Yeah, I, I think, I think you make the move away from the Brew Marsh. Yeah. Then you got to, you got to, you could just. The Completely separate from there. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, Canadian Athlete of the Year as determined by people sitting around drinking craft beer in our studio. Uh, on Christmas Eve, Rob and I will be back with our annual Christmas Eve show. A little different this year. We're still going to touch on the World Juniors, but it will be less World Junior centric. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, I kind of feel like we've gassed most of our opinions in terms of, you know, you and I only know so much about junior hockey players. And so we've never come in here and claimed to be experts on this year's team. But we reflect a lot, favorite memories, some of the coolest, you know, tournament events we've been, just whatever, talking World Juniors, but maybe not necessarily trying to preview this year's team. And we've been doing this for however many years now. There's probably been six of those that we've already put out. Um, I don't know. I don't have that many more World Junior stories or memories or anecdotes to throw around. And the other part of it would be I'm not as – 
juiced for this year's tournament. And there's no grandiose statements about, I won't watch a second because of the hockey kit. No, I'll watch it. There's no doubt. I'll sit down and watch. But I'm just feeling less excited about it this year going into it. So I thought, and, and you and I talked about it, you know, the, the Christmas Eve show maybe would be maybe a little more Christmas and a little less world juniors. Is that a fair way to sum this up? Or, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And your grandiose statement sounded a lot like my world cup stance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm not going to be some blowhard bullshit artist who's going to stand up here and say, I'm not watching that. Not a second. And fuck the advertisers. Right. Although there will be none for the world juniors. I don't think so. It'll be totally fine. I'm curious to see. Yeah. What the boards look like? Are we going early 80s? And coming back from every commercial, it's like brought to you by SO and TSO. And you're like this year, you know, brought to you by 7-Eleven and I don't know, Merivale Pizza and Wings. Jerry's mom who's made the peanut butter cookies (laughs) for sale in the lobby at the Halifax Metro Center or wherever it is. So uh, we'll get into that on Christmas Eve. A lot of Christmas and uh, we'll still talk some World Juniors, but it will be less of the, less the focus of the show. On Boxing Day though, almost in a a trade-off. Uh, Paul Romanuk will be here to talk about the history of Canada at the Spangler Cup, which is a hundred year old tournament that, uh, um, you know, Canada has been a part of for quite a while and actually been fairly successful, um, always held in Davos, Switzerland. Paul Romanuk called that tournament for 11 years, was instrumental in getting it on the air in Canada. And is Nat Dominic Kelly still playing in that tournament? That's the name I, uh, <laughs> I, I plan to ask Mr. Romanuk about is every year you watch, um, the Spangler Cup. There's always a name or two. You're like, oh, hey, I remember that guy. And Matt Domichelli is is one of them. And uh, you know, Lonnie Bahanas will be kicking around, no doubt. Um, Matt yeah. Robinson, star defenseman from uh, single, from Russia, single T. Matt Robinson. That's right. So uh, we'll get into a lot of that on Boxing Day with uh, with Paul Romanuk, nice. and then uh, on New Year's Eve, Maddie Lang will be back, and uh, we'll do uh, similar to what we did last year, which was sort of a non-sports, you know, year in review. Things that Maddie actually paid attention to that I failed to completely, you know, hip new terms and and bands and music acts that is that Backstreet got Boys big. touring again. These sure, things. that'd be cool. Last he, year, uh, he strikes me as more the, of a ninety nine degrees guy. Ninety eight degrees. <laughs> uh, last year we, so do you. I learned that it was a uh, the the word of the year was chuji or chugi. I can't even remember now, and hmm. uh, was somebody who thinks they're cool, but isn't so fit perfectly with the, our, our New Year's Eve. Chugi. Uh, yeah. So Maddie Lang will be back for that. That's what's coming up here over the next uh, week or two around the holidays. And we'll did, keep the good stuff coming for did you. Did you see a couple of the words of the year for this year? Uh, I don't think I did. Well, one was, so it was, there was Oxford put theirs out and Miriam, Miriam Webster. No, so you got Omicron was out there, but Gaslight was, nice. was one of them. And it's going to be good for record sales for one of my favorite bands. Yeah. So anyways, and you know what, now that we're talking about, I can't remember what the other one was. It All was right. super interesting, but it's escaped me. So forget it. I thought we might have a little staff meeting here, you and I, on uh, how to proceed on a couple things here. Airing of grievances. Uh, <laughs> as I rain down blows the yeah. second week in a row, we've referenced that. Uh, um, on what we want to do about Ovechkin and you and I've talked about it before. Um, a couple of years back, I started putting this out there and, and let's be real. You pushed back against me still for a while that he might get there, but you came around and he's clearly going to get there. He's going to beat Gretzky. And then this year we saw 
his buddy Vlad march into Ukraine and and decide that, yeah, I'd like to have that. I'm going to try and take Ukraine back. And, and Ovechkin has done nothing to distance himself from that. In fact, he's still openly putting it in your face that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm buddies with that guy. And... Look, it's been uncomfortable for a bit. We did talk a couple weeks about a uh, couple weeks ago about the fact that that had sort of pulled the fun out of the chase. And I didn't find myself though openly, and maybe this is, you know, uh, a weakness of mine or a failing of mine. I wasn't openly annoyed or upset about it until this week. He goes into Chicago, scores a hat trick, and gets to uh, eight hundred. Which leaves him is he one or two short of how right now? One. one. 801 is the. Uh... Um, so he scores a hat trick in Chicago. And the Chicago in arena house puts on a, you know, a, a video package for him. The clan, uh, the fans there, clans is close enough. Fans there are, uh, are cheering him. And one of the Chicago media members points out how classy it is that Chicago is doing this for him. And the first thing on my mind is that the Chicago Blackhawks wouldn't know classy if the NHL hired a private investigator to find it for them. Mm. This is not, you know, there's nothing classy to me about cheering for a guy that is, yeah, very good at slapping a piece of rubber into a net, but also totally down to cheer on somebody for uh, slaughtering innocent Ukrainians. And I started to get annoyed. And then on Saturday, Ron McLean opens hockey night with like this vague, look how great Alex Ovechkin is. And some people might be uncomfortable for some kind of reasons, but hey, look how good he's doing. And then for the entire broadcast, everybody verbally filleted that guy and made the entire show the Alex Ovechkin show. And I don't understand why they made that choice either to sort of half-ass suggest we get some of you don't like this. But here we're still going to shove it down your throat anyway. Like pick a lane and and pick a better one. And I just, I'm sort of done with the Ovechkin story. And so what I wanted to to talk to you about here, and, and it's best to do these things out in the open, let the good listener know where I'm, I don't want to talk about him anymore. And I'm not, I'm not issuing a Ovechkin ban. We never mentioned the word again, no grandiose, fuck that guy. Let's well, kind of fuck that guy. But when he gets there, we'll acknowledge it. If there are other stories in the NHL that he's crucial to, we can talk about him. But I don't want to come in here every week or two. Oh, he passed how? And oh, now he's at 829. And oh, now if he sets this pace for the next two. Fuck it. This isn't fun. I don't want to celebrate this guy. I don't really want to cover this story very much on the pod. I'd be curious to get your your take on it. Yeah. Um doesn't sound like it's a staff meeting. Sounds like there's an eat <laughs> coming down from on high here. This is a back and forth. Matt is the guy who edits the show. So, uh, <laughs> well, there's that final. So hammer. guess what? And you're like, uh, you remember that 15 minutes, that soliloquy I fired out there on Novachkin and it never showed up in the pod. I just send the audio file to Rob, let him believe that it's yeah. part of the oh, show. Look at that. That is audio gold, baby. Um, yeah, no, I, I am. It's incredible what he's doing. It is. It's he's inc- very talented. It's incredible that at his age, at 37, that he's still going to, he's still on pace for, man, almost 60 goals. It's it's crazy to me what he's doing. And I never thought, so back 
I don't know, 150 goals ago or whatever it was. I never believed that he would be able to still score 50 or 60 goals at 37. That to me was, was the deal. But put up 50 again last year and blew yeah. everybody's mind. Well, like, in like 2016, I think on this podcast, we, you know. Did the math. Well, buddy had like 28 goals that year or whatever it was yep. and, or 32 and people were like, he's ah, brutal. Yeah, he's done. He's done. <laughs> and so, yeah, they thought he was done in his early thirties. And then all he's done is he's actually score, his... scoring at a higher rate yeah. than he was at. at Which early... has its own set of questions, but we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, but I have, and uh, it's, it's been well documented on, on this show, dating back to the 03 worlds where I saw him live as a 16 year old. Yeah. I didn't like the guy. Right. And for years it was the Ovechkin Crosby head to head. And, and unlike a lot of people in, you know, the Ottawa Montreal corridor who's have this great distaste for Crosby, <laughs> I like him. Yeah. Right. And I'm a Sid guy. And right. so it was always the Sid versus Ovi. And, and, and to me it was, I was always happy to see Ovi come out on this, on the, uh, the bottom end of that. Right. And I was always happy to, to look at him, point at him, go. Yeah, he doesn't care. He'll score his 55 goals and then he'll lose in the first round and he'll hop a Off jet. world and, and, and that's really what he wants to do. Yeah. So I've, I've never been an Ovechkin fan and, you know, but that changed when they won, right? It, yep. it, it just sort of warmed the crowd a bit, right? How, how well he performed. And, and to me, it's, he's now an all-time top five player in hits delivered as well, which, which kind of speaks to our old Canadian, yep. like good for that guy, right? Like he's, he's dishing it out as much as yep. he, early in playoff series, he would figure out which was the defenseman that was going to be put on him. And he would run that guy through the fucking boards for the first yeah, uh, and send a message. You're not going to be the aggressor. I'm the fucking. And so there are things as a hockey player yeah. to respect about him and like him. And, and this is where I'm going is, is with the cup win and him you know, pounding pints in the fountain at the Bellagio yes. or, or wherever he was. And he was just, just loving it. Right. And, and you're like, ah, look at that guy, you know? And, and for all those reasons, you're like, maybe I'll embrace history, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you, you sort of go, but he's totally fucked all that, right? Like to me, I am, I am not happy with it. I don't want to see that guy be the, be the all-time record holder because to me, we all make choices. We all make choices. And, and this isn't even subtle. No. Like it would have been one thing and I, it seems silly to keep coming back to it, but the Instagram profile picture of him and Putin is still up. It would have been so easy to take that down and still quietly be a Putin ally or apologist or whatever. He yeah. hasn't even done that. He's showing you, I support this guy. Well then fuck you is sort of where I've. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I didn't like him. I think I came around a little earlier. It, it got fun to do the math and go, oh my God, if he did this and this. And and we did like maybe two more years at 40 goals and then 30 for a couple and then yep. 20, 20, 20 and he'd kind of trickle it. No, he's still blasting in like 50 a year and he's just going to blow through it. There's no way around that. He's incredibly talented. 950 may not be in, you know, he's got three more years after this on his contract. Right. And it, it, it just, it was really fun. And then for me, it immediately stopped being fun to, yeah. and I, I just, I have no interest in, you know, I don't, it, it won't be for a bit, but at some point Wayne's going to start following him like Gordy year. did for, for him, right. To be there when he, 
I don't want to watch that shit. I think all of this is gross. I think the people falling all over themselves to fawn over them and, and compliment them are just totally discarding what type of human being he is off the rink. And I, I just, I have no interest in, in getting into this every couple of weeks and be like, oh, well, now he's at whatever. And oh, now he's just. And we don't know what kind of person he is away from the rink. I know enough. Okay. Well, this is what I'm going to say. We don't know, but all we do know is by the social media bit. If, if that's not how, how you are or who you are, if that's the only thing we have to go by. And you're consciously choosing to show it to us. Right. And it's like everything else. So when, when the war in Ukraine started or the invasion, you had reporters on them. It was all kinds of stuff, right? It was right in your face. People wanting to know, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, what's happening with this? But as the, as the, the media reporting on what's happening in, in Ukraine is, has, has sort of backburnered. Well, here. we just stopped paying attention. So. Well, 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 it's like, it's like COVID, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's still somewhere it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, same, ha- same has happened with the reporting on Ovechkin. Yes. Or, or the awareness of, hey, remember that? That's still, that, that's still a thing. Right. And we, and we talked about this at the time that I, that neither one of us believe every Russian in the NHL is required to stand up and answer for what Vladimir Putin is doing. That's yeah. not necessary. But the ones who, the ones who campaign for him. That's right. Have the, to. The ones who are showing you I'm a Putin guy, then yeah, you're going to fucking answer for that. Except you're not. Nobody's pushing yeah. that. Nobody. And now we're openly celebrating it. And I just, very little interest in being a part of it. And well, so to kind of come full circle on that, man, I. Again, I'm not saying, you know, if something were to happen at a world championships or something else around the capitals that Ovechkin was involved in, there's not a blanket ban on mentioning Alex Ovechkin's name. I just don't have any real interest in covering this What story. happens if he gets blown up by Ryan Reeves? I'd, I'd probably talk about it. <laughs> I'd, I'd excitedly probably talk about it. So that. I'm with you. I, I don't want to talk about it either. I don't. And, and I'm. Because on the night that that's happening in Chicago, there are tweets coming from journalists in Europe that Russia is raining down rockets on Kyiv again. And their whole tactic now is hitting power stations, right? Is hitting place. Like we're going to freeze you out. It's cold as shit over there right now. Like it is here this time of year. We're turning off the hydro for you. And those tweets in a very dystopian way are mixed in with go Ovechkin go. And you're just like, ah, this sucks. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Yep. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think I think to continue to express that opinion though was worth something too. Sure. Yeah. Uh all right. Decided. That's where we're at. If there's a reason to discuss him outside of the chase, we will. If not, uh you'll see it everywhere else. Uh why don't we talk a little what do you want to go first, man? You want to do a little more hockey? You want to talk Blue Jays? There's a little CFL news this week. What's on your mind? Let's let's get let's get the CFL out of the way. All right. Um, see how excited Rob is about that particular topic. It's uh, yeah, it's not exciting. It's it's you haven't been excited about the CFL in a bit though. They they they've been hard on you. They have been. Well, and and really, what have I had to yeah. be excited about? Oh, fair enough. Nathan Rourke's still touring around. That guy's going to get a contract, and actually, that, which would be devastating to the league to pull him out. Yeah, of Yeah, but it, that's an interesting story, right? That sure. he, that he's 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 tried out for eight different NFL teams and. Yep. And it seems like there's going to be a bit of a bidding war. And, and I like, I, I'm, I find it refreshing when it says he's looking for the best opportunity for him, which, mm. hey, you know what? Pro athlete. Good call. You need to do that. 
But he's saying, you know, what does that look like? And he's saying, yeah, someplace where I can be a number two right away. And I'm like, that it's refreshing in its reality. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I'm not walking into the NFL and starting. Right. But I am good enough. To back up. To back up right away. Yep. And, and, and learn and, and take my skills, not to South Beach, <laughs> but into a backup position. And so to me, that's, that's very refreshing. And, and I'm, I'm, it's an interesting story to watch. So there's not a ton on this other than the fact that the CFL schedule came out this week. And leading up to Labor Day, there has clearly been a heavy emphasis placed on weekend evening games. And obviously that is, uh, Dave Naylor reported on this. We've heard a bit about it on Three Down Nation over the course of the season that they want to get those numbers up in the United States. And that's a way to do it. Like up here, we tend to enjoy, like it's it's fun at TD Place on a Saturday afternoon. On a Saturday night, all right. Like it could still be fun, but you know, maybe there's other stuff to do. Americans, A, are starting to balance, um, you know, a lot of afternoon baseball on Saturday and Sunday. The college season in the U.S. starts up early and they like a lot of afternoon games. And so the CFL is trying to capture Saturday night, Sunday night, 7 p.m. starts in American primetime on ESPN2 to see if they can build some of their, um, you know, some of their cachet down there. Get a little more money out of that American deal and get some attention in the U.S., and with the, we got the XFL starting up here in the spring. Uh, is it the US? There's a second one starting out. It's USFL. That was the old one. I, I, there yeah. is another one kind of sub I, I lose it all after the, uh, you know, the American Association of. Right. But they're, they're trying to keep a footprint in the US. And it's big. We shouldn't forget for all the American players who come up here to be on American TV and have their friends and family watch them feel connected. But I do wonder if that's the path you should be focused on to grow your Canadian football league is how many Americans are watching and getting it in front of them, you know, at the best possible viewing times, or if you shouldn't maybe be focused. How about what's happening in in Montreal and Toronto and and BC? Now BC had some interesting crowds last year, but they had a great story. Yes, right. that's right. So... How about looking at those, at those areas first, right? And, and it's also interesting to note, I think in the fall, I think they've gone away from Sunday games entirely, I I believe. Well, the reason that's the, and I know you know, but the drawing line of Labor Day is the start of NFL. Yep. So get the hell off Sundays as soon as the NFL rolls in. And we've seen them talk quite a bit about the CFL playoffs. Those still happen on Sundays, your Eastern and Western semifinal and the Grey Cup on Sundays, we've seen people suggest, keep the Grey Cup on Sunday if you want, but the playoffs got to move to Saturday. Stay away from the NFL. And I, I just, it's a legitimate argument, but it, it, it seems you're almost too worried about what the American audience wants. And up here, like I get it again, in the fall, lots of Canadians watch the NFL. But throughout that early part of the summer, up until Labor Day, I don't want to be thinking about, oh, this is for American television in the Canadian Football League. Yeah. And and it's it's like anything else. You, you want to expand, but you have to make sure what you have is consolidated and and strong before you look elsewhere. To me, it's- None it, of those Americans are buying tickets. Yeah. It shows a huge <laughs> lack of focus. I think so too. In, 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 my, in my opinion. And so- 
you're, you know, we've talked about it before. You know what Americans love? Americans America. Love, <laughs> and they love the NFL. Yes, they do. Right? The USFL and, and the, and everything else in between, it comes and it goes and the, you know, the European NFL thing, you know, the Barcelona Dragons and the yeah. Edinburgh Claymores, it's, it, it goes. Well, and the, the comparison would be how many people say Toronto is a hockey town. Eh, are they? <laughs> Toronto is a Leafs town. Yep. The battalion... Didn't do good in Brampton, you know, the, the St. Mike's majors when they were downtown and then even out in Mississauga, Mississauga yep. they've tried the, the road runners were there. The Marlies are there now and they draw okay crowds, but that operates at a loss that the Leafs are just happy to eat, right? Well, it's I, better to have you right there in town. It's not because it draws great crowds. Um, yeah. OHL, AHL, if it's not the Leafs, eh, there's not a ton of evidence that says we're super pumped about hockey. It's we're super pumped about the Leafs. And so that's sort of the American stance on, and we'll check out the XFL. We'll check out the AAF. We'll, you know, we'll see what these things look like, but we don't really care until the NFL rolls around. And so I guess it's discoverability. We'll put it on primetime Saturday night, see if anybody's flipping around and maybe lands on, you know, Eskimo or whatever, Elks stamps. (laughs) Maybe it'll hold you, but... Yeah. I, I just, you got to be more focused up here. Well, and what I'd love to know is what exactly it is that moves the needle. Like, you know, it's not going to be. Doesn't it feel like they don't know yet? Right. And that's it's what I'm saying though. Horribly. Is, is, is and, and you're on the deuce. Right. So you're, you're hoping you're not on the Ocho. So clearly you're <laughs> high enough, up, high enough up the dial that it's like you're hoping for 250,000. Yeah. Right? Like you're looking nationwide, yep. right? You're looking for, and it's so. In a it, country it, of 300 million. Yeah. Is that what you're looking for is really what I'm saying. It's funny is, though. That would double. Yes. And so. High cats, lions, or. And, and this is what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Is, is we aren't looking at, at, at huge numbers, right? If you know what the TSN numbers are yeah. and, and, and if you are, if you are in that sort of 400, 300,000 on a big game. Yep. Right. And you get up towards a million if you're in a. Riders. <laughs> yeah. But so there's a whole province watching. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it comes down to, if you're only looking for those numbers, then, you know, if you can, as you said, if you can double your eyeballs by getting. But doubling your eyeballs and doubling your money aren't the same thing. Like well, what does it do to tickets to, I don't know. I, and maybe it's an opinion thing. I don't thing. know, man. Maybe, maybe they're hoping for large. Fargo interest, right? Sure. Or, or Come on I'm, up to Winnipeg. And, yeah. Well, you tell me though, on a Saturday in middle of August, would you rather a two o'clock or a seven o'clock kickoff? I, I don't know. Uh, to go to the game, to sit in the stadium. I'm probably an afternoon guy, but I get it. It might be 30 degrees. It might be nicer to go down on a... Well, and see that... that and is, young people want to go out. Young people do want to go out, Matt. I'm, I don't, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, after the game, right? If you have a game at, at yeah, seven yeah. o'clock, you can now go to the game and straight to wherever you're headed afterwards. And it's part of your night out. Whereas I'm, uh, I want the game to be over at five so I can go home to my couch. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you've already, if you're already taken down sort of six or seven pints. And you know, I have. Yeah. At the game. Well, there's, there's a hundred. That's my day. That's 130 bucks. <laughs> and so you're really, now you're down and you're like, well, that's probably put a dent in my. 
I just think it's such a ticket-driven league that I would be far more focused on market-to-market. What time does this city want our games to kick off for the ticket holder? And then TV's totally secondary. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about Saturday afternoon hockey? No, I don't want it. But I'm not going out to it. It's different. Like, even if I'm going to the game, there's something about Saturday night. That's when we watch our hockey. But in the summer... When it's nice to actually be outside yeah, and, okay. and spend I, a day. That's valid. Yeah. Maybe hit a patio beforehand. And I, I don't know. To me, they're just a different vibe, indoor and outdoor sports. Again, the Blue Jays, they don't play Saturday night. They play Saturday afternoon, right? It's a nice day at the ballpark. The roof might be open. All you right. play during the week. You don't want to be on the first base side. I, just bake up yeah, there on the for 500s. Sure. <laughs> um, but during the week, everybody's at work. So you have to play at night. I get that. But on the weekends... We want to go during the day. It's a three o'clock pitch, first pitch on Saturday. It's a one o'clock first pitch on Sunday. I, I don't know. I, I just, and I would go market to market. If you're playing in BC and BC likes a four o'clock Saturday, then sorry, that's when we're having it, right? If Montreal prefers a Saturday night, then that's what we're doing. I, I, I would be far more focused on selling tickets than on when the Americans want to watch it on well, ESPN. And, and it was also, and I, I agree with you, but I think it comes down to, and what you mentioned is 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 worthwhile. Is a summer afternoon is not a February afternoon. That's right. And so, yeah. But if you're going to go out and and as two different people, right? Or if you have a family, ah, Saturday afternoon hockey game not the worst thing. No. But yeah, but if you're, uh, if you're going out, have, kids aren't going to school in the summer, right? You're going out to rip a couple of beers on, with some yeah. buddies, and then <laughs> whatever. Then it is a different it is a different feel. Yeah. But. It's, yeah, I don't. I just, I think they got to focus on selling tickets, number one. And I'd be less interested in American television. Yeah. The, the CFL is never going to be huge in the US. It's just not. Uh, nothing that isn't the NFL. That's right. Will be. So to me, the, the other thing that's interesting about the schedule is, and I was listening to local radio and I can't remember who they had. Um, friend of the show. Oh, uh, Nate Bahar. Nate Bahar just signed this yes, week, new ex- contract. Exactly. Yep. They were uh, they were telling him that yeah, with the with the schedule, Ottawa does not play a game even on the West Coast later than the seven thirty Eastern start. Nice. So obviously, anything out west is going to be uh, an afternoon af- an game. afternoon game. So love that. That for your Eastern viewers. Ten o'clock re- Saturday night. There was a couple Red Blacks games this past year, and you're just like. Mm. Well, been buzzing since two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And, and as Nate said, he's like, yeah, he goes, you play in those games that are 10 o'clock, you know, yeah. and you're, you're flying out the day before. Yeah. And so you get to halftime and it's 1140. You feel like it's 11. It's 1140, <laughs> man. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got another half of football. <laughs> That's bullshit. Right. Right. And so, yeah. So. That is an interesting thing for fans of the Eastern, at least in the Ottawa area. I can't speak for fans of the boatmen and, and whatnot, but. Right. Uh, the Blue Jays, couple interesting moves this week. I think when Bunda was in earlier this week, we mentioned the Chris Bassett signing, okay. but we didn't go into depth on it at all. Well, when you and I were on last week, the Kiermaier thing was on, but the contract details were not. No. Paid. And it took quite a while for that to come out. It ends up being one year at $9 million. Do you remember what you said last, last week you were hoping for? <laughs> no. What did I say? You're like, I hope it's the minimum or a million bucks. 
And I was thinking, well, okay, I think around three mil would be probably good, but it's a $9 million one-year contract. Which makes sense based on what he said at the press conference. Like, I'm told I'm the starting center fielder because I know I also Mind said last week that as a fourth outfielder, yeah, fine, right? Because he's coming off injury. He does, you know, similar to Jackie Bradley Jr. or Bradley Zimmer, great in the outfield as long as his hip is as healed as it's supposed to be. Torn he can run shit down, right? He's yeah. he's very good in the but he's it's funny, Jays have a weird perspective on Kevin Kiermaier because it seems he burned us a lot playing for Tampa. Yeah. But he's not a good hitter. Nope. But he said in his press conference, yeah, they told me the job's mine to lose. And you're like, oh no, right? Like this is our yeah. big addition at in the outfield and he is not a guy who's going to replace Teoscar Hernandez and the offense that you pulled out there. No. Uh, there's time to go, I guess, you know, Joey Gallo maybe ends up here. Michael Conforto is a guy they uh, have been super interested in apparently, but uh, I was reading just before we started that the Astros look like they have the, uh, you know, the inside lane on that. So, so we'll see. Uh, but Chris Bassett is the other big piece, three years at $21 million per year. And look, as a, as a number three, I think you're pretty happy with that guy. And if it turns out that Jose Barrios rebounds yeah. and Chris Bassett is your number four, you're absolutely thrilled. But it it's a lot of money for a three or four. And that's just what starting pitchers are going for at this point. Yeah. And as we talk about this front office, it is a fourth straight off season now where they have brought in somebody for over $20 million a year. Uh, they have not been afraid to to spend. Uh, it's been an interesting week or two, man, for the Blue Jays. Well, I don't know if it's been a great one, but it's been an interesting one. And see, it, I've, I looked all around. I read a bunch of different stuff on, on this because uh, to be honest with you, that's not a name I knew. Right. Prior, prior to them signing him. Yeah. I'm like, coming I, from the Mets and the athletics. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, it's not a name that I'm super familiar with. Right. right? But when you start to look at his, over the last four years and, and a late bloomer, right. Yep. In terms of as how they describe yeah, he's him. 34. And, and so, but he is an inning munching guy. Yep. And it was interesting to note that the Jays now have, I'm trying to remember what it was, four of of the of the guys who in the top 15 in terms of seeing the rotation for the third time right right they now have between Gosman, Manoa and and Marios you add Bassett in there beginning guys durable guys well, and if you're worried about your bullpen this is one way to improve your bullpen is to not see it Right, have enough guys who go deep into games can pitch through the third time uh, through the rota- uh, through the lineup. Maybe you start to see a little less of some of those lesser lights in your bullpen, and right. and that improves some of those numbers. One of the concerns, and it's a legit one, we'll see how big of a deal it's going to be. Is it both at City Field uh, when he was pitching for the Mets, and before that in Oakland, very pitcher friendly ballparks. And right. now you're coming into the AL East with a bunch of band boxes. Yeah. Uh, but they also said that this is a guy with with six pitches yeah. who is a who is a notoriously ground ball yeah. pitcher, but he's now coming to Bo Bichette as his shortstop yeah. instead of um okay, but Jose, I'll, I'll take, Jose Lindor was I'll behind take the him E6 before. 
I'll take the E6 over the out of the park. Sure. If that's if that's going to be. I'm with you. I'm with you. But we're also moving off the shift this year. That's going to be outlawed. Like there are some, I wouldn't say alarm bells, but things to go. Hmm. Now, a lot of pitchers are going to work through that, right? Yeah. The, the, the shift is going to be huge for a lot of people. Uh, but anybody who comes from pitching in Oakland or pitching at City Field, like this guy has, and he's done both into the AL East. You, you're, we'll see, right? I, I don't think he's going to be bad. I'm not saying that. Yep. I just, this is the price of a, a third or fourth um, arm in your rotation now is over $20 million. And so that, that, that sticker shock, right? The price tag, you go, whew, but it's only three years. He is 34. And look, they could have easily given that minute or that money to Ross Stripling, who I think we both like. This is a safer bet than Ross Stripling. In my opinion, he's a better pitcher than Ross Stripling. And, well, and the stripper's still out there, eh? I think he just signed this week with the Giants, who okay. are also spending some money uh, here in the last little bit. Okay. Bringing and, in Carlos Correa. And and it's it's interesting. I don't think the Jays get another pitcher. Like, I think this is, I think this is where they so sit. You're, you're throwing Kikuchi back out there at I, the I think, I think or? between White and Kikuchi. Whew. Okay. And then I think they're waiting for, to see what happens in, in June or July when. Ricky Tiedemann. Hunjin Ryu comes back. Oh, maybe. You I know, that, not. that will be, I, I, I bet to me, if they look at, I, I'm, I'm thinking there's a lot of talk about we're going to keep our catchers, which I don't believe really. Right. Yeah. I think you're looking at, they're going to try and cobble together that fifth with those two guys. And the, the, you know they'll alternate between being along or being depends with like a coochie. They were using him in throwaway situations, yes, basically super low leverage <laughs> yeah. situations. We're done. Whatever, put him in. Yeah. Either way, we're up by ten. We're down by six. Throw him in. But I, I think you're going to see. And Mitch White to me was what's the word? Underwhelming. Terrible. Okay. And and so, but I I, I still think there's some upside there. The, they could work with him through the winter, through the spring training, and and we'll see. He's not not to say he's ever going to be like a two or three, but a, a serviceable five. Basically, they could turn him into Stripling, five to a long man in the rotation. Uh, right, now. and so to me, that I, I think you're going to see that with the money they've, they've still got going into Kikuchi. Yeah, I think you're going to see that. They'll see what happens with Ryu when he comes back, right? So to to me, that's it. It's it's what happens with the catcher. Are they looking at? Some of those spots are drying up quick, right? For sure they are. Teams that need catchers, so. Yep. And so that will always be, and it's interesting when you talk about, uh, they were talking about the value of Danny Jansen with somebody like Bassett again, right? And you go, does that really sort of more cement his, in terms of his game calling and. Yeah. It's funny because all these guys, or not all, but a lot of these guys need that low strike. Gosman's going to throw that splitter, right? A lot of um, Bassett stuff, sinker, split, like you need that low strike. And, and it was actually Kirk who got really high reviews for the, catching the low strike, right? And framing right. that properly. And this is one of the problems when you go to trade one of these catchers. Danny Jansen is more valuable to you than he is to anyone else, for sure he is, right? Yeah. In terms of bringing somebody in to learn your staff, he 
he already knows your staff and he's very good defensively and he hit pretty well last year when he was in the lineup and not well, as injured. you said as a pull as a pull guy yeah he he kind of figured some things out Kirk I don't know if a lot of people are sold on his ability to catch a hundred games you know, right with you that know body who is sold type. on him though Manoa Manoa loves to throw to him for sure so that matters and Moreno as the mystery box might be the guy that A, you don't want to give up on, but everybody else wants. He, but that dies at the end of this offseason because you got to do something with him. Tell me, Monty, what's behind door three? Right. And you're going to have to open that door this year and or you trade him now when everybody's like, yep. man, best prospect in baseball. But, and they're talking, I've seen enough people talk about the idea that maybe he is the fourth outfielder as well. Right, because he's so athletic. Well, we started to hear a lot of that at the end of last season, right? But that don't he, you think that's what, to me, he's not special now. He's an average hitting outfielder. The thing about catchers is they don't hit. So if you have a catcher that can hit, which he can, that's terrific. Once he's just another outfielder. Or, ah. or a utility infielder. Yeah, I think you start to knock the shine off him pretty quick. He's just a guy at that point. I think the fact that he can hit well a for a catcher is what makes him special. Well, and it is that it is that old adage, right? You're like, oh, I can play multiple multiple positions. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's because you can't, can't play one. Exactly. <laughs> I can't nail down one of these. And so... We have two number one goalies. Eh, no, you don't. Yeah, you, <laughs> if you have two number ones, you don't have... One. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so to me, it, it's interesting with... And, and as you say, with, with Kirk and you never, you never... Kirk is never catching 100 games. Nope. So... And you don't need to worry about the... And he was an all-star this year. He may never have higher value than he does right now. Right. Espinal was also an all-star yeah, well, If someone wants him and offers you something, I'd do it. Strangely, <laughs> I'm not hearing too much <laughs> about that, right? No. Um, and in the thing with Kirk and, and Manoa is you never need to worry about that low pitch because Manoa likes it. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to throw it up high and hard, sure, right? Man, just <laughs> get it in there high and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, <coughs> it's interesting times around the Jays. We'll, we'll see. I don't think they're done, but I don't know what's coming next. Their biggest spends are done. They're no, they're not bringing in any more twenty million dollars. And we asked about this, but uh, you know, do you think it's it's a free agent or do you think it is trade? What what is next in terms of anything with any sizzle? <clears throat> it would have to be the catcher trade. I right, they no, don't have a lot else, and I. I don't know how much more they're willing to spend. I We heard about Michael Conforto. If he's going to the Astros, I don't know. You could, I guess, you could bring in Joey Gallo if you want to. Have him, you know, platoon with somebody. But I, that's not exciting me a whole lot, right? I, well, and it's interesting because I was reading something in Sports Illustrated on the, the two signings and, man, they seemed quite bullish on on the Kiermaier... Bassett inclusion, and they're saying, you know, with 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 Kiermaier, a healthy Kiermaier, you've there is no That's a hell of a there is no conceivable holes in the MLB roster. That was that's a direct quote from the SI article. I I just it's obviously going to have to be a different type of lineup because you just pulled a silver slugger yep. out of it into Oscar Hernandez yeah, and dealt him away for pitching, and you're replacing that with Kevin Kiermaier's offense. I don't think so, and then. If you trade a Kirk, that's a, those are your four or five hitters and you've. Yep. Yep. Between those two guys, it was well over a hundred games in your four slot. And you just, you, you're not gonna like Kirk. We'll see if they trade Kirk, it has to be for an impact bat in the outfield. 
you can't trade him for a pitcher because your lineup is just decimated now. You have no – it's nowhere near as, as intimidating as it was last year. So. Well, and, and really none of them provide the power that Teo had. No. And but so, you can string it together in different ways if you can hit. Well, see, this lineup, to me, in my opinion, this, this lineup could use more single-double action yeah. mixed in with, with some of the power that's here, right? To me, it's, it's the boomer bust thing got to be a bit – I'm with you. But you haven't replaced one. You can't trade the other without. Yeah, yeah. And, and when 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 the Teo deal happened, I, I don't think you can overlook the the change in chemistry that they were maybe hoping to yeah. see too. No, I think that's true. But we did talk a week or two ago about whether or not they'd have been smarter to wait till after the winter meetings to make that trade. Hindsight being what right. it is, right? But everything, every doesn't matter what trade or what what sort of move you make in any sport, right? They're always like, well, what if you waited to the draft, or yeah. what if you waited yeah. till. And then you're like, yeah, you know, you see with the Jake Chickren thing, you're like, well, when is, you know, does, does he come back healthy? And you go, oh, but he's no, he's shit. But what people are paying right now, man, you could have got, I think more for Teo now than you could have. It's obviously hindsight, but. Yep. But if, if it was the case, you have two good baseball minds there in Shapiro and Atkins. You don't think they know that? Well, in hindsight. Or you're saying no. And that's okay, man, because. We do know quite a bit here Obviously. on the pod. Yeah. So it's okay to say, no, I don't think they do. I didn't love the <clears throat> trade at the time. I thought it was okay, assuming there would be more happening around the winter meetings to replace that offense. Yep. Sitting here now without that offense replaced and still talking about possibly trading Kirk, that's going to be a significantly weaker lineup unless you find another way to bring in whether it be power or contact to me is irrelevant. Like you said, you could stand to change the way this team hits, so, but so, a bat has to be coming so, so far. So what about this? What about the Whit Merrifield we saw yeah. in September into, into October? You're not buying that? I'm not buying it for 120 games or whatever. Cause I, I, cause I, cause I, I don't think you can overlook that either. No. Right. That, that, that is already. But he was already part of that and we lost. Now they put up eight runs in that game too and lost. So he, offense was He was good in that game. He was, as was Teo. Two home runs. True. He, he would have been the. I've already overlooked that. Man. Yeah. He would have been the hero in that game. The Edwin, the Donaldson, the, the Batista from those years who, you know, the Donaldson dash, the Edwin wildcard game. The, like he puts up two home runs and you go on and win that. He's. Legend. Yeah. Uh, we lost, so fuck you. You're off to Seattle. Who was the team who beat us? So yeah, we'll just hand you. A- well, they'll love them. They're like, hey, we'll take those two homers from the. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. But I think you're looking at a much more prominent Whit Merrifield between second and somewhere in the. I, I, to me, you're looking at at that sort of him fitting into that rotation. In my opinion, gambling man. I am a gambling man. Uh, before we move on to anything else, you cracked something there a minute or two ago, maybe a little more than that. What was your, uh, your second round here? It was, uh, it, it really was the same as my third round. Okay. It is. And it's, it's really, it's called reboot. And so it's, it's just a pale ale from green and grit hmm. comes in at 6%. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm liking it now to me, the, the, the finish of the, of the, uh, the dunkle. Dunkle. Oh, it's, it had a nice little sweet finish though, yep. sort of the warmer it Something got, right? sunk to the bottom, I think. I, I didn't mind it though, right? No, In no. terms of, uh, I'd give it a, uh, solid B plus. Three thumbs up. But I've moved on. And so Reboot is the name of this beer. 
and it was it was a hard reboot from the Dunkel to the Pale Ale. Right. Okay. So um, the name is fitting. The name is fitting. But it's it's an easy drinking pale ale. It's, it's I was looking for something else with it, but nope. It's just and it comes in a small can, right? Yeah. Just a little fella. Just a wee fella. What do you got over there? So this one, uh, I did reference that Bunda was in here earlier in the week for episode 1044, and uh, the guy doesn't show up without bringing me a, a pint or two, and we're done arguing about it. Uh, I show up all the time, and I never bring a pint of That's all right. Uh, and I've said to him a bunch of times, you got to stop, man. The, the deal is, you're doing me the favor, coming in, co-host the show, you know, grab a pint, we'll carry it. He's the time that I don't bring you a beer is the time you need to stop having me on. All right. So we're done debating here. And this one, just by chance, man, I hadn't spoken to him about it. He didn't know, but you know, the black coal stout from Railway City Brewing Company is a Matt favorite, a, uh, one of his top five all-time craft beers, uh, a constantly evolving and shifting list. But, uh, uh, he had seen that and thought, uh, knows I'm a stout guy and, uh, and brought it in, but yeah, it's, this is one of my favorites. And so, uh, shout out to him. That was episode 1044. We mar- talked about 30 years of Gary's NHL as, Gary! Uh, as he's been commissioner of that uh, and a bunch of uh, year end thoughts on the UFC. So if you're into such things, you can check those out at talkinaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, why don't we talk before we get into the NHL? I, I want to circle back briefly because you were having none of this two weeks ago when I brought up. I'll have none of it. I don't even know what you're talking about, but. I know. Elon Musk. Oh, fuck that guy. And, yeah. Okay. And his purchase of Twitter. And uh, look, most of the time that we ever referenced Twitter before he bought it was negative. Spending too much time there. It's, you know, there's bots. Rob sucks in at it. it. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. That could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten somehow worse. And I think the <laughs> phrase you would use is Elon Musk buying Twitter is like someone has taken a shit in this glass of piss I was drinking. And that's where we stand now. Wow. And I want to circle back. I'm still thinking of. Still it wasn't about great. <laughs> and somehow it's worse. I, I asked you at the time, is it possible that the billionaire class, the man, wants to disconnect, you know, in one more place, yeah, drive yeah. us to, well, I got to circle back for the new listener, the, man. The, that, the peons. Right. Drive us to their state-owned networks or the the channels that they want us on. They don't want us to have this public square where we can interact directly with journalists or with each other and, and talk about things. And you said... Interesting thought, but probably not. It's a little tinfoil hat, right? It's maybe overthinking it a little yeah. bit. The mothership is in constant contact with Matt. This past week, Elon Musk has begun banning and suspending journalists from the platform that have ever covered him, reported negatively upon him, uh, and, and just generally ever maybe annoyed him in any way whatsoever. We also saw there's a, there's a part of Twitter. It's not overly popular, but it's called Twitter spaces and you can get on and it's an audio chat and it launched in response to a platform a year or so ago that looked like it was going to get big and then fell off a cliff. Like they often do. It was called clubhouse and essentially you just sign in and whatever the microphone is on your phone, if you want to interact, you know, maybe there's two or three people, you can do a podcast on there live and have people 
following that and you can invite them in to chat if you want, like a caller. Uh, a lot of times it's just two experts or a. You're an expert. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, Jeff Merrick and a NHL player and they don't invite anyone on. It's just a conversation, right? Little things like that that you can do. So the journalists are doing one as these journalists are all being cleared out on Thursday or Friday. There's a couple different reporters from the New York Times, from Washington Post, uh, a couple different places that get booted off. So a couple of other journalists start hosting this space and you can all check in and watch. Elon Musk decides to pop in and uh, he's apparently going to explain himself why these people have been banned. And journalists start asking him follow-up questions and he has no answer for any of those. And so he he leaves the space right away. He just disappears. And when you wake up, so that's about 10 o'clock one night. Now, to be fair, he's out in California. That's seven o'clock. It's not super late night stuff out there. But when we all wake up the next morning, Twitter spaces isn't a thing anymore. You can no longer have these audio conversations on the platform because that's where he's most recently been embarrassed. And I just want to ask the question one more time. Is it that crazy to think that this thing was purchased to disconnect us from independent information to direct interaction with journalism and send us over to the places that these people already own. How much do we have to see before we believe that this is just, you know, now his ego, this is his plaything, and, and we're all in his sandbox. And if he doesn't want the New York times or CNN or the Washington post on there, He's not even going to apologize for it. He's not going to say it was an accident or a glitch. He's just punting them off the platform. Yeah. I, I still come down to on two sides here. It's very Trumpian what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not, you're not allowed here anymore to cover this. Right. Oh, I thought this was for the press. I'm press. No. His whole thing was free speech. Yeah. I'm unbanning all the Nazis yeah. and QAnon people, but I am also booting all the journalists yeah. who report so, on so to me that this this is one of those megalomaniac kind of things and you yep. go you're an idiot and you're an idiot and 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 at this point you go yeah you're just driving me away from this yeah and to something else and what i said a couple of weeks ago a month ago whenever that was yeah was the organic nature of these sorts of things will pop up somewhere else the people will have a voice It'll just no longer be on Twitter. Right. So this is just one guy and you just laid it out there. I think everybody should have a voice. That's why I'm buying this. Then you go. Don't use your voice to criticize me. But not you (laughs) and not you. And you go, oh, okay, I get it. Right. And it's that old adage of. uh, Rob's invited everyone to his house for a party, but he has hired someone to stand at the front door and go. Ooh, no, I don't like that guy. Stop. Yeah, or <laughs> I believe in free speech. Yeah. Oh, but that offends me. Don't say right, that. Right. No, don't say that. Free speech that agrees with oh, me. For sure, man. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's what free speech is all about, right? And so free speech is painful, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be. Exactly. And so to me, this guy, he's just got a pile of cash and he's done one thing or two things well. Oh, what he did well was get born to a guy who owned a slave mine in South Africa no, 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 and benefit I, I, from apartheid. That's yeah, what I, Elon yeah, Musk did yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, so, and really what I'm talking about is the Tesla and the car and you go in the whatever, right? I know how to do this and it's like I'm a – Hire people to – I'm a great hockey player, which means 
I know about world politics. I must be a great Or I'm Ed Sheeran and I'm going to give you, I, I now have a, a child and so I'm going to give you parenting advice. Right. You go, fuck off. <laughs> go shit in your hat. Like you have two nannies. I don't know. Dump it in my glass. I pits. don't need, <laughs> I don't need to listen to you on X, Y, or Z. Right. Sing the song, fat man. That's it. That's what I need. I don't need the rest. And so go back to doing whatever you do, you know, sending people to the moon, whatever. Rocket boy. Making, you know, uh, electric cars. Do do that. Keep your bullshit face away from me. Uh, Let's move over to the NHL. And I'm going to hand this to you in a second because this was really your, uh, you know, the text you sent me outlining what we were going to cover on this was... Vague? Vague, I think a little bit, but it was, I think we were starting in the Western Conference. And so let me set us here as a takeoff point. Since the end of October, the Edmonton Oilers are 10, 11, and 2. And this is a team that, uh, you know, like a lot, thought it was going to be elite. It's kind of surged up and down. It, it kicked around the, uh, you know, the, the wild card and the, actually the whole Pacific division is a little wonky right now. I don't think anybody expected Seattle would be any good, although they've also started to come back to earth. Vegas has returned to what they were supposed to be. And that was, you know, with a pile of injuries then and now, to be honest with you. Um, but Edmonton, I don't know what to, to make of them, man. Like they're, I guess it's, it, Evander Kane is a huge loss to what they're supposed to be. And I think they're counting on him back. What, like, before the deadline or around the deadline anyway. Like he will be back this year. Yeah, they were saying three or four months, I think. So that would be a huge get for them to add to their offense again. And and it's a piece they can't replace right now because cap-wise, eventually you want Kane back. And, and whatever. what do you make of, uh, you know, Edmonton before we take off on, on wherever you would like to take us? Are they a serious contender this year? No. Because they did get to a conference final last year. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. And so did Ottawa in 2017 and didn't right. make the playoffs did in 2018. Or 19 or... 20, 20 or 21. Right. 22. Uh, creeping back up, maybe 23. 23. We wrote them off there. Yeah, yeah. But... We'll, we'll see. It's everybody. You look at... Christ, man. They they beat Detroit yesterday, Saturday. Yeah. Playing the so, wild Sunday afternoon. So, so that, and they're already losing three zip. Okay. As of recording. All right. <laughs> um, but you, you look at it, you go, that brought them to within two points of Detroit, who's in fourth yeah. in the Atlantic, and Ottawa's in eighth still, right? Yeah, still four teams in so between. There yeah, is, three teams. So there is yeah. Buffalo, Montreal, and Florida, all in between there, all somewhere between 30 and 32 points. Yeah. And if you look at... Um, Washington at 36 points. They played 33 games. They've got played three games more than most of the teams. Yeah. Anyways, it's just a real shit show everywhere. So the Oilers. Yeah. And and really comes down to, they're the same thing, right? They're sitting in a wild card spot, I believe, as of time of recording. That's right, yeah. And, and that's, it's really, you've, you've, you've really let off with it. It was vague because I think there's a lot of intriguing shit that's happening in, in the West or intriguing or noteworthy conversation worthy okay. right and, and just in terms of between the jets but it means you have to stay up past 10 and it's hard it's <laughs> yeah no no I, I totally get it but see see the oilers are tragically unhip f- yeah it, it, 500 yeah really 
And it's one of those things, and we talk about it all the time, and I, I know we'll likely hear from the Western correspondent. No doubt. They are wasting two, two top-end talents with not much to show. I uh, believe the, on, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night. must have been Saturday. I don't know if they played back-to-back. No, but Drysaddle had two goals and finished minus two, and you're like, what is happening to this team? Like, there's the depth is still just apocalyptic and they're, they're having to run Stuart Skinner out there because their new $5 million times five, five years goalie just can't find it. And I don't want to make this a whole thing about, but, but it does lend the credibility back to maybe Toronto is a better defensive team than people gave credit. All of a sudden, Ilya Samsonov's leading the league in save percentage before getting pumped on Saturday yeah, night. Not, by the not, not after Saturday night's game. Yeah. Well, you, you can only hope to contain Eric Gustafson. Honestly, man. Yeah. His, <laughs> he scored his first of the year and second, second and, and third. third. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, very leafy thing to have happen, but let's stay out West. And I, I just, there's some things happening there and why don't you, you know, this was your topic. Which ones are jumping to mind for you and, and standing out in, in ways that you maybe didn't expect? Well, it, it is in that Pacific division and, and Edmonton is what it is. And I, I, I have no idea. I expected they would be better than this. I think every, well, okay. And it's when you make a trip to the conference final. Yeah. Everybody you does. You earn some credibility. Yeah. Well, and everybody thinks it's going to happen again like that. Well, yeah. At least you'll be in comfortably if nothing else. And, and it's not the case. And, no. and I like the Jack Campbell signing. It turns out, you know, as of this moment right now. Yeah. That. You know, it was always are, a risk. Are you suggesting that he was insulated by the superior Leaf defense corps? Yes, I absolutely am. All their numbers. Hey, you that, look at, that look at, narrative that the Leafs are bad defensively is about <laughs> six years old, but before those six years, they were awful for like a decade. So it's hard to wave that stink off you. Yeah. I, but and, they've gotten better and better since, you know, Ron better Ainsley and better and, and better. I, I agree. Yeah. Like I think I, as of late last week, they were third in the NHL right. in defense. Right. And that's playing a large stretch without Brody Muzzin and, and Riley. Yep. And, and, and Shorty Ben. And. <laughs> yeah. And worth noting, <laughs> worth noting that they, I think Brody's back in and they've lost now too. So. He's terrible. Maybe you just, maybe you just need to go we, back to. We miss Victor Mete in that spot. Ah, cause, cause the ladies sure love him, right? That's what I'm <laughs> That's getting. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I think they've improved and improved and improved the, the Leafs, right? Uh, to say that they were four years ago, a, a defensive juggernaut would be disingenuous. Yeah. But. Improving is what you're saying. And I agree with you. No, I, now I'm saying easily top five. Yeah, well, spring, spring will tell. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. But I'm just saying the fact that everyone still, the narrative when you watch like game notes, when the Minnesota Wild come in and you read like the pregame, it still occasionally alludes to this like not strong defensively, A, because they're built around this big four forwards and B, because they were bad defensively, legitimately bad defensively for so long. Well, because they were, they were a... We're going to score, outscore our problems team, which I think if you want to look at the Edmonton issue. But even before that, it was, oh, like Ian White and like, we're going back a ways and they were just Ian White, Ian White. But like, you can go back to. That's way back. That's what I'm saying. From like the lockout until maybe 20, 
18. I was going to say, was Carlo Koliakovo there too? Or maybe Brendan Bell? Frankie Corrado getting reps. Man size, Frankie Corrado. <laughs> Just the mention of Bernier makes me sexy. <laughs> it's bourbon, we all know. Um, yeah, look, but they were bad defensively for so long that it's hung around. And now when you run out that Leaf defense when it's fully healthy... It, it's not necessarily the personnel, it's system. All their numbers, as you said last year or earlier this year, top three in the, they're, they're very good and they don't allow many high danger chances. And so, yeah, yeah it, you can run out Eric Schulgren yeah. last year and he's going to have an 895 save percentage and you're going to win 70 of his percent of his starts. Yeah. And so I do think the Toronto defense is way better than Edmonton's. And I don't know if that's what's happened to Jack Campbell, but that's part of what's happened to Jack Campbell. <laughs> well, and and it's it's I threw the Western Conference on the on the table, yeah. And Matt takes it and and runs with it and starts flailing against it <laughs> against Edmonton, which is a bit of a go to for you. Uh, I just I couldn't believe they were ten and eleven since the beginning of November. And then that's the direct contra- comparison to Toronto, and you're like, I fucking hate Edmonton, and I love the Leafs. Yep, I don't hate Edmonton. End the podcast. Uh, no. In general. Yes. Final episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to drink way more and I got way more shit to say, man. If we're, if we're, oh, ending, it's going to be a long one. If we're ending the podcast today. Um, no, it, it's really just, uh, I'm, I am unclear on what Edmonton is doing and what's happening and the. They're being run poorly. That's what they're doing. The outstanding season McDavid and Dreisaitl are having. McDavid was like. I guess everybody's tired of seeing me get two points a game. Well, we so, talked about that before the season started. And so you're like, to score a goal a game is basically. Well, you said it and you go, I'm tired of the two assists tonight and people going, ho-hum. Yeah. All right. I, I, I guess we're going to. I guess gonna, I'll go win the rocket. I guess we're going to do that. And, and so. And he's one of those guys like with elite guys. We used to talk about it with Crosby, right? When he came into the league, he wasn't very good on face-offs until that one summer he went and did nothing but work on face-offs, come back and now he's the best in the league at it. And you're like. Elite players do that. And do McD- elite things. McDavid was clearly the best setup man in the game. And look, the best player in the game in general, but that was his strongest. And then this year he came in and said, all right, you want me to score more goals? I'll score more goals. And here he is, just lighten it up. And what we talked about, with, yeah, Crosby, Gretzky also at the beginning, right? They were like, oh, he's an assist guy, yep. right? He's a dish guy. I lost the scoring race to Marcel Dion in my rookie year because Loser. he had one more goal than I did. Right. And so it's, it's really, it's, it's that whole thing and you, it's the, it's the Seattle difference, right? And you go, who knew, right? That they were that good after being so poor last year. And you go, Burakovsky is there, is there. Marty Jones found his game. (laughs) This is it, right? And you go, you know how I know that this is a mirage? Yeah. Andre Burakovsky is your leading goal scorer and Martin Jones is somehow now. That's yeah, probably not going to last. Yeah, that this is, and now they're down to third in the division, but Calgary, after their hand being, you know, Goudreau leaving, signing the free agency contract in Columbus, Kachuk saying, hey, you know, just so you know, in a, I'm year, out. in a year from now, I'm not signing. So if you want to do something, you should do it, right? And you go, Wow, they're fucked. And then you look at it and you go, oh, they signed Kadri. Yep. They flip Kachuk and they bring in Uyghur 
and they bring in Huberto. Huberto. And you, he's like, I, oh, I, they're they're unfucked. I, I can't imagine how you've you've pulled the rabbit, maybe two rabbits, yep. out of the hat. Yep. And you're like, your defense has somehow gotten better. Already you, a top defense in the this league. This is it. And you've you've brought in a you've brought in a top end a top pairing defenseman in yeah. Uyghur. You've got an elite setup guy, and you've brought in Kadri, who has just done nothing but produce. Take what he's done in in Toronto and and sort of build. Thank you, Matt, for finishing this. Our hetero, hetero life mates here. <laughs> and then you go, oh, oh wait, we're, we're coming up on Christmas and they're not even in a wild card spot. Like, and Dan Vladar's the, uh, the new starter. You can't, and, and I am, it's just one of those things where we've talked about all the things that I was sure that were going to happen this year and without fail, whether it's the Bruins whether it's John Tavares, whether it's Calgary Flames. I have failed. For sure, man. And for sure. And, and I'm not alone. No. I am not alone on these things. But without fail, the things I was sure of, ironclad <laughs> sure on, have not come to fruition as of, you know, Christmas time, 2022. Yeah. It's, and, and the Western Conference, and you look at Rick Bonus goes into Winnipeg. And you go, I'm stripping you of the captain. You're the longtime captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. You're no longer the captain. Right. And you go, this same team that the coach walked away from early, yeah. early in the season saying, fuck it, those guys are brutal. They need a new voice. <laughs> he said they need a new voice, but read into that what well, you and will. And then he headed off to Florida and immediately turned them mediocre. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul Maurice is a reason why you're the all-time losing his Coach in NHL history. But also still kicking around. People yeah, well, are like, oh, I recognize that guy. And fine. still in the top five and wins. Yes. That's just longevity. Well, that's, we call that the Curtis Joseph rule. Like when they talk about him, whether or not he's a possible Hall of Famer, they're like, he's like a top three, top five and wins guy. And you're like, yeah, top three, top five and losses guy. If you play long enough, you'll you'll rack up some numbers in both. I, we, think, I think we've talked about this on who's the all-time losingest coach in NHL history, I think it's Scotty Bowman. Or was it, if you, Al Arbor, I think it was Al Arbor. If you stick around long enough, no matter how great you, if you go 50 and 30 every year, that's an amazing year, but you're racking up 30 losses a year for 20 years. Those pile up, man. I, I think Cy Young has the all time most losses. Right. Like I think Cy Young has like a 500 record. <laughs> so, and they've named an award after him for yeah. pitching greatness. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that Rick bonus would go in there and whatever he does. And we talked about it, you know, wherever Ben Bishop went, that bonus was there, whether it was in Tampa <laughs> or over into Dallas, yeah. he had Vezina nominated years and you go all of a sudden, man, the Jets look better. And, and it's like, cause to me, you, you always looked at the Jets and went, it doesn't make any sense to me. What's happening? They got good count between Ehlers, Connors, Wheeler, Dubois, Shifley. Yeah. I can't follow you here. I've been down on the Jets for a while saying overrated, overrated. You got, got overrated. a Vezina goalie. Yep. Yep. And so to me, their defense is good enough. It's certainly better than Timothy Lilligren or whoever you guys got here mm-hmm. in your is it? second pair. Yeah, I believe it is. 
Okay. I Number one, Neil Pionk is running out there. Ah, and, so if you're taking the Finnish kid and Pionk or you're taking Truba, what do you want right now? Truba? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the trade. The trade. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm taking yeah. Pionk and the, and the, and the Finnish kid over. over, over or whatever his name is. It's Honka or it's a, no, it's, it's an H. It's an H. Anyways, it's to me, I, I like what they got going on there and I have for a while. To me, there's been a chemistry issue there and whether it's Wheeler and his hard assness or it's Maurice who clearly can't coach anything with defensive structure and you take him now into Florida in a team that was sort of run and gun to begin with and yep. didn't have Spencer Knight aside, we will wait and we'll see, but goalie Bob, <laughs> goalie Bob doing goalie Bob things and, and a lack of structure now without Sherratt, now without Ekblad, now without Uyghur, and you go, who is playing defensive floor? And you have Paul Maurice. I, I just, to me, it's interesting what's happening in Winnipeg. And did you say Pionk was the number one defenseman there? Is that what you were... Well, whoever you want it, Josh Morrissey's kicking around there. You see, see, I was watching Hockey Night sort of in between the Toronto game and and into the... uh, No, after Toronto, I just shut it off. Nothing else matters. I totally get it. (laughs) Um, Which is really why you're pissed off about the Ovechkin thing, because you're like, what is this talking about things other than the league? I thought we got through it, but I knew when I brought this up following... Anyways, don't don't get bogged down. Don't get bogged down. No, 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 it's... Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got, you got something. Nah, there. go. Yeah, it's not We're wrong. on the Jets. It's not wrong though. Am I right? Yeah. You're like, no. what is this talking of things other than the blue team? It just that it wouldn't stop. That was the part that okay. the whole pregame show, every coming out of every intermission, look at him now. He's shooting the puck. Like, let's not talk. Let's talk more about how great William Nylander is. You're sitting here wanting to talk about how great the fucking Jets are. Yay. Hey, well, it was really, it was the, it was the talk in between the two shows of, of Morrissey being on pace for 93 points. Yeah. Probably not buying into that as a. But, but did you also see the part where they said what the, what the all time Jets defenseman season points record was? So that's gotta be Housley. See, I, I went right away to. Randy Carlisle. Oof. In the eighties, and that to me was now Housley, obviously you're so right. Who was oh, okay. It's neither of those guys. Okay. It is Buff. Buff the stuff? Yeah. yeah. With only fifty three points. Buff daddy. Oh, 50. okay. That's disappointing. Well, and you think that Morrissey's gonna Did they sh- count the first go around? Like or with this one of those wonky uh, that's part of the coyotes uh, history. You know what? You know what? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Because I would have no trouble believing that he's the leading defensive scorer in Atlanta Thrasher's history. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And so he is the Jets. Yeah. Because to me, yeah. that's that's an interesting yeah. point and, and it's a bit of an asterisk on this conversation. Right. Moving along. Yes. The one that stands out to me in the West is is Colorado. And I don't know if there's any team in the league more decimated with injuries right now and the guys that they have had out in and out of the lineup and they've got like, there's been nights where Alex Newhook, who they're trying to give minutes to at a reasonable pace is like your number one center. And part of that is obviously Kadri leaving. I think their plan must be, we're plenty good enough to get to the deadline. And then did they bring in Bo Horvat or somebody of that caliber to be your number two center and 
all of a sudden new hooks back down at three and you're looking at that group going, oh shit, like they're ready to take another run, right? Like it's, they're an interesting team in that I, I haven't written them off as a possible repeat winner, even though they're just sort of kind of middling along right now as as defending champs often do, right? And they've only played 29 games. Right. It, this is all about points percentage and, and these sorts of things, but They've been fine, but they don't look like a Stanley Cup champ, but they could easily be one of those teams that at the deadline grabs a a piece or two and then all of a sudden flicks a switch and you don't want any part of them in the playoffs again. Well, and you went unbeknownst to yourself. I was more interested in the, in the Bo Horvat conversation when you go, you're thinking about trade that guy after you signed JT Miller last year. And then now you're like, oh, we can't trade the Miller contract. We wish we could. But now because of that, we can't afford to Our pay. captain. We can't afford to pay. Who's having a career year. And you're like, oh, surely. We're not going to go into any rebuild, but let's trade that guy. Well, and on hockey night there on Saturday, they were talking about the Canucks wanting to make a hockey deal. Like, well, we'd like to bring back a center and maybe a defenseman and a like for an expiring just keep the center you have and re-sign him. He's elite, right? Like this year, he's been killer. And yeah. and he's and your his, captain. And in his worst years, he's a good player, right? This always is the conversation when a guy busts out and is on page for like 50 in a contract year and you go, ah, and it just happened to them with JT Miller, right? Is Do we pay him like a 50-goal guy or? Despite the fact that he's the age he is and a, <laughs> William Carlson. Where's William Carlson? Right. I, I don't know what they're going to do out there. Look, we've talked about the Canucks a couple times, and I sort of look at them as we fired Jim Benning, brought in somebody else, and allowed that person to continue the Jim Benning plan. They have not changed course. They have not rebuilt. They have not significantly added or subtracted. They have just continued to muddle along in the fucking middle, and they have no idea where they're going. How do you feel about the idea of... And uh, you heard Friedman say it, I think, that the only untouchable they have, Elias Patterson. Everything else is a yeah, discussion. I, I think, yeah, that started with, it would take a hell of a deal to get Quint Hughes, but they haven't said no to it. Like I, You're like, what? I'd rather you? keep Hughes than Pedersen, to be honest uh, with you. Well, and, and, and to <laughs> me, I, I think of the whole bunch, I want to keep Thatcher Demko. Yeah, that guy, you got to assume he's going to rebound. Yeah. And, and you just elite. sort of, yeah. And you just sort of go, I think everybody else is a conversation. Yeah. Uh, so I just look at those and then we've covered the four Canadian. Well, Dallas looks elite again. Yeah, but I've, I, I, I've seen them up close twice against Ottawa. Yeah, and, same. And I'm just, I don't know, man. I You're not buying it? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying what I'm more and more on side with every game with Jake Ottinger being legit. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I I put him in the Thatcher Demko category, a a good goalie. Like to me, legitimate. I'm not, I'm not discounting him. Ryan Suter was a guy that I think I was higher than I usually am on a guy that you give money to over a, you know, he was in his mid thirties when they did it. But you and I talked about guys from that 03 draft who would last the longest. And I think I believe Ryan Suter. He's falling fast out there. Like I still think probably a capable third pair guy, but you know, they're paying him 
to be more than that. They, he wants to be more than that. I'm not sure he still is, right? We all do. Yeah, exactly. Ego's hard and age comes for everybody. Uh, but they, you know, that top line with, with, uh, with Robertson, Hintz and Pavelski, uh, and Pavelski looks great. Um, Jamie Benn got off to a hell of a start, slowed a little, Yeah, but it, this will, this will be, this will go down as a resurgent season for him. He's been better than he has been. I, I don't know. That's not a team I'd really like to face in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm just saying they're I'm currently leading Yeah, as of Sunday. They're leading that that central division, yep. and I just think Are the Blues any good make their way back into this. I got no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nashville's off of not good. No, last year both I think it was Deshane and Johansson had career years and goals. And neither one of them coming close to that this year. You're Kelsey dead. Breeze. Eli yeah. Tolvanen gets waived. Wow, and that's how many times did you hear? And at least up through the Pyongyang, Pyeongchang. Yeah, that was always a dangerous <laughs> when they had the Olympics in South Korea. Make sure I get this right. Pyeongchang was where the Olympics Thank were. You. Pyongyang. In North Korea. Eli Tolvanen would not have made it out of. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, all this talk of best player. Best player over there between him and I think Kaprizov was still was still over there. Yeah, that's right. But all we heard was how good Eli Tolvanen was going to be. In, in this, in Peter Forsberg, best player outside the NHL, kind right. of. Yeah. And yeah, man, that guy gets waived. Great pickup by Seattle. It's oh. worth a stab for them. To me, he's, he's, he's making the money he's making. Now he's got another year after this, but it's not prohibitive, the cash. Not for them, no. And so. Take a look, see if you can figure him out. Why would you not take a flyer on that guy, right? And, and if, if a lot he, of Sens fans wanted to see the, see if you can get him in house, figure him out. Yeah, but a lot of sense fans want to see everything that comes out. I, I understand. Every team does. Every hockey fan goes, I, we could figure that guy out. We could, we could. I, I don't think it would have been crazy for the Sens. And they obviously passed because Seattle's higher up the, the standings. So Well, we would have had first crack at him though. One of the first two or three. Yeah. Certainly ahead of Seattle. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Obviously, Ottawa said, not interested. And and that's why well, Seattle. And I, and I can't remember. He's, he's a center. He's a winger. He's, he's a, a winger. Wing, yeah. Yeah. And so to me, uh, it's it's not like that's a spot where Ottawa needs. If you could figure that kid out. To allocate. There's something there. Well, you know, he's no Tyler Mott. <laughs> if you are, man. Yeah. So, so you know what? We're done talking here, man. Um, and it was just really uh, that. And that's just those those sorts of stories, right? In terms of uh, seeing the Kings. We're being less Eastern, less Eastern centric. Right. But I did enjoy the, uh, the tweet you passed along to me last night, which is more Eastern centric, which was your Leaf, Leaf fan. Oh, okay. So you're allowed to talk about the Leafs. I'm not allowed to bring it back to the Leafs. That's. No, no, it's totally fine. Okay. It's, we're, we're done with the West. I okay. just, it was only your, my issue with you and the Leafs was only that you were sad. That hockey night was not totally devoted to the blue team. Instead, we were happy to devote it to a warmonger. That was cool. Yes. Yes, it is. That's what we should be doing. And so it, it's it's this concept of, of fan bases. And we talked about it. We're just, to me, the segue was pro style and you kind of ruined it. That's <laughs> um, what I do here. Sorry to step on your toes in that department. <laughs> I got a nice roadmap over here that I, within nine minutes of any episode, is thrown over my shoulder. <laughs> It's what what the price do you have to pay for the personality, baby? Okay. And just your, your leaf, your leaf buddy there with his idea of 
that torrid November, whatever it was, eighteen and nineteen with points eight zero and one at it one was, point. It was to quote Guy Boucher, it was sick. It was sick, and uh, yeah, we find ourselves still six points behind Boston and two or three ahead of Tampa, but Tampa having two games in hand. Like it's like it never fucking happened. We were still we're, we were always going to be in this division. Hey, Lee, Lee, friend, where would you be without it? That was obviously yeah the the takeaway that he wasn't having was had you not had this torrid run, you'd maybe be dead and buried behind Detroit or something. You'd be with <laughs> Buffalo and Detroit right there in that thirty two thirty four point mix. It's so funny as you watch the Leafs. If I remember correctly, it was four four and two was the start that at the time had. A lot of people irritated or up in arms or well, they whatever. came off that West Coast trip where they lost all the games. Anaheim, LA, and uh, San Jose. Lost in overtime, overtime and one to the K- in, to the to the to Golden the, Knights. To the Ducks and Sharks, I think. Okay. And then lost outright to the Kings, I believe. So two and, out of six points. And the and the Golden Knights. They lost to the Golden Knights. I thought they in lost overtime. to the Golden Knights in overtime. Yeah, I'm I so that I was think, a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Golden Knights were earlier in the week. Right. So they took. It wasn't a good trip. I they think. took two out of a possible eight points, I, I think, think, coming something back. Something like that, yeah. And I was sure, and, and Sheldon Keefe was melting down. He was going to get fired. Uh, honestly, it was, it was imminent. Yeah. Right. And so, and I remember at one point, I don't know how long ago it was, but Toronto's record was 10, 5, and 4. And five. Okay. And so to me, I'm, I'm like, and it wasn't. To illustrate Above Gary's 500. But yeah, but it was this idea of they are like an essentially a 500 team. Yeah, they were in that, we had the conversation on the show, this kind of muddy middle yeah, yeah, for where sure. everyone was just, yeah. And then you look at the other day and they're like, they, they still have five, only five losses. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, and so to me, yeah, it was, it was incredible when they lost that Ranger game late last week. I'm like, I was wandering up from the laundry room and I'm like, hey, blankety blank, what's the score in the Leafs game? And they're like, the Leafs lost 3-1 to the Rangers. And I'm like, yes! Doing some high-stepping up. Yeah, I'm like, perfect, man. <laughs> Swinging my laundry basket around. Right. I'm doing this. And but it, it's crazy, really, to me, the... Well, now it's two in a row. And Tampa on Tuesday. Could go right off a cliff here, man. Well, and ta- you see the the surge Tampa's been on? They, yeah. They're now... Right so, up our ass. That's what well, I'm saying. And yeah, and so it, it really comes down to... Yeah, it's, it's intriguing and... and this? The only point I was going to make was, yeah, this this run's been hot, but it's the continued framing of the 4-4-2 start that was disappointing, yes. Lackluster, yes. And then it was sort of, as you look back at it. Murray lot, you brought in and he was now hurt. But, and, but the descriptors. It was like, and then it went from disappointing to alarming. And then it was a week or two later, again, as the hot run is going to be the, the disastrous start. And then last night it was... This unbelievably bad started. It was four, four, and two, and it just the framing yeah. of it is what makes you go, man. No wonder. And and I think I sent you this once before. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show or not. This is maybe two or three weeks ago, when the Leafs at the time were maybe two weeks into this hot run, and Kiprios had in the Toronto Star he'd written a piece about. Yeah, well, Austin Matthews isn't resigning here, and it's just when they're doing well. The Toronto media, or at least certain parts of it, can't help but we got to find something to shit on here. This is, we need to alarm people. We need to, and then that story sort of fades away. And then this past week on Monday or Tuesday, so before the loss to the Rangers, 
when now they're red hot, right? One of the hottest teams in the league over three or four weeks. Kiprios has another one in the Toronto start. William Nylander pricing himself out of Toronto with his hot start. And you're just like, it's becoming a little transparent that we have a story we need to tell. And if they're just playing well and that doesn't sell papers, that doesn't draw ratings. That's that's not clickbait. We need a problem. We need a situation to get everybody fired up about. And, and in I was actually for a very, you know, very rare instance, proud of Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter, who all took it and went, fuck off. Like, you're starting to see through. You're starting to recognize that when things are going well, you have to try and pull it down to sell a newspaper, to, you know, whatever, sell your podcast, sell your radio. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. And you're just, at that time whatever we said, they were 8-0-1 in their last nine or 10 games. We saw, well, Matthews is going to leave and you won't be able to afford William Nylander. Well, if Matthews leaves, we can afford William Nylander. Yeah. <laughs> Everything great with the Leafs. Carry on. Who's clicking on that story? Right. Every, yeah. Everything's fine. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. It's a good show. <laughs> Looking good, man. They've got eight points in 18. Yeah. All right. Where do I go? Now, I, as a, as a fan, I want to I, I hear more. Of Kipper? Oh, no. no. About my team doing well. Did I tell you he started following us on Twitter not too long ago? Yeah, he did. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> well, clearly he's uh, he's aware. He's a fan? Yeah, he's aware. Uh, you know, he's aware. I'm okay, I'm a- Maybe more than a fan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he's more of a fan than aware. Then Maybe, I, yeah. That's, you know, we all have that. It's uncomfortable. It's okay. It's all right. It's, it, we we got to be who we are, man. Yeah, if, if we are certainly uh, soon unfollowed, then... <laughs> I, every now and then I check in, I'm like, are you, you're still here. Good for you, man. <laughs> the head wound hasn't taken. <laughs> Anything else for this nah, one, man? That's all I got, That's man. it, eh? So you're back here on uh, on Christmas Eve. Love it. We'll have- uh, Eggnog in hand, baby. Lots of things in hand. Yeah. Hopefully One fewer. hand waving. <laughs> uh, that is episode 1045 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Look later this week for uh, for Hoffley and Shrides back in studio for whatever we're going to call the uh, the new Brew Marsh Award. Uh, Paul Romana coming up, Maddie Lang coming up all throughout the holiday season will be here. But first of all, it's that big Christmas Eve show. Rob will be back. I'll be back. That'll be episode 1047. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us. Wherever you're hearing us. Sure, sure. And we're on social media at Talk and Audio until Elon decides he's had enough of us criticizing him. We'll join the... Uh, See on Facebook. The land of the punted. That's right. On Mammoth. Yes. Back to Mammoth we go. Uh, we'll wind this Mammoth episode of Talk and Audio down. For Rob, my name's Matt. We will catch you all next time. See ya. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal's. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.